0: Your right to speak discussions on social justice and advocacy this is episode 53 and i'm your host salvatore on today's episode we'll be talking with alyssa who is a returning guest on the show our conversation today will be about youth and transition who are living in care alyssa is currently completing her masters of child and youth care at ryerson university and her thesis is focusing on this very topic we'll be having alyssa back on the show uh, later on hopefully in a few months Um, for Alyssa to be talking about her thesis and what she has found. I'm very excited to have Alyssa on the show. I know she's very passionate uh, about this topic. Alyssa, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hi guys, it's nice to be back. Um, I'm excited to talk about this topic. Like Salvatore said, I'm super passionate about it and um, it's a topic that I think needs some more attention. So the more people that talk about it, the better off this population will be.
0: Awesome. So we're just going to do what Your Right to Speak does and dive right into the questions. Okay. <laughs> Can you tell me um, or explain what the transition process normally is for youth living in care?
1: So based on a lot of the research that I've come across thus far and um, experience that I've had working in residential care, um, the transition process from you know, being a child and youth um, into the adult system isn't very uh navigation friendly for these young people and then you know like unfortunately as child and youth care workers a lot of the time our role ends as soon as a, a youth turns 18 and that's when you know life really starts a lot of their relationships are ending and a lot of the youth that we come into contact with already have a lot of experience with grief and loss So now that they've built a lot of trust with a worker, the relationship comes to an end. So one of the big themes that um, is repeated across the province, or across Canada, is um, loneliness and isolation. These young people are feeling within the first couple of months of transitioning outside of residential care. Education is also a big one. Um, Find that, I believe it's close to 80% do not complete their high school education. And, I mean, that could be for a variety of reasons. A lot of the time, at least thus far, um, goes back to loneliness and, you know, um, their mental health and, and just not being able to, you know, have that motivation because a lot of their relationships have come to an end. They're navigating through a new system. A lot of the time they have new workers, new mental health workers, new doctors. There's a lot of new stuff happening
0: and not a lot of old faces to help you through that. So, so for people first entering <coughs> the fields, what happens when a youth transitions out of a residential group home? They have to find like supportive housing. Like, what, what is it that they need to find, generally speaking?
1: Generally, so generally speaking, I think there's a, a couple of of targets that a, a youth should meet. One of them would be to have some secure housing. Being in the area that we're in, though, right now in Toronto, like that's finding affordable housing is not ideal. So, I mean, that the housing piece, having some sort of income, mm-hmm. whether that's a job or whether that's being supported through a Children's Aid Society um, or on ODSP or OW, um, but being able to navigate through that um, has been difficult um and usually as workers you like we're kind of there in their final couple months to help them apply for this process and get their names on lists and all that kind of stuff but then once you know you get called up from this list they kind of don't really know what to do or you know if something messes up with OW or ODSP like it's it's about finding that that was finances again and how they're going to get them (laughs) <laughs> ensuring that I'm very big on ensuring that there's you, you have a system of support around you and, and ensuring that when a youth does leave residential care like as a worker I want to know that there's a team of people behind my youth so that when they do leave me regardless of whether or not our relationship is ending that there's people in the community that they can identify are going to support them whether that looks like doctors teachers counselors it could or it could be a mix of all of them I'm, I'm very firm that you know, there's no such thing as too much support mm-hmm. from all different aspects and, you know, take advantage of all the services that you can. Yeah, I mean, a well-resourced youth is, is definitely the outcomes, I'm sure, are a lot better than somebody who's not.
0: Earlier on, you mentioned some of what the research is <coughs> basically about youth in transition. Mm-hmm. And a big piece I have known for a long time, and I'm happy you brought it up, mm-hmm. was that feeling of loneliness. Yeah. And I find it so ironic that we uh, CYC practitioners um, emphasize that our field is so much on this relationship building. Mm-hmm. And you know, we both have worked in a you know group home residential setting. You know, we see most of the youth every day. We are a big part of their lives for. A short period of time, mm-hmm. and they gain that support with us. They build that trusting relationship, and then we say bye to them. Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, it sounds like there needs to be a new role created in a sense within the CYC field.
1: Absolutely. I I'm a really big fan of the the transitional care worker. In the agency that I like, I work at, we have like, youth and transition workers. I think that it's really important though for those youth and transition workers to come in before the transition actually happens because you are a new face, um, you are a new relationship to build. And I think that coming together from a cohesive place, working collaboratively uh, as a team, like with, your current workers all of them I mean as many workers as you can get in this meeting that, that you currently work with and then your transition workers but you guys can all be on the same page of what goals are for this youth and what they should be working towards what they want to work towards etc and I mean also you need somebody who's an expert within that transitional piece and, and understanding Exactly, I mean, you can't understand exactly what a youth has gone through unless you've gone through it yourself. But understanding how delicate and fragile this period of time actually is. Um, and I mean, imagine being 18 yourself and having to leave a place that you've called home for, you know, whether it was two years or two months, um, but having to leave. You you don't have the choice. Um, and, you know, you, you have to make it out there or, you know. Yeah. It's uh, it's hard, um, and it's it's really sad. So I definitely think that having these youth and transition workers, um, that will, I don't want to say hold your hand through the process, but you know, guide you and navigate you through a system that a worker is more familiar with, as opposed to let's say somebody like me, I wouldn't necessarily be as familiar with the adult system, right? Because it's not my niche, it's not where my specialty is. But I I think a youth and transition worker would have good knowledge of agencies that are for youth, and then agencies that also service adults, mm-hmm. and how to navigate that transition smoothly.
0: Sounds to me we need more <coughs> youth in transition workers out there. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so you mentioned some of the gaps and challenges faced by youth in transition. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you can think of besides the loneliness and navigation piece um, that youth are facing challenge-wise
1: I think that youth are also facing um, some housing discrimination Mm -hmm. Um, so for example some of the research I've come across is that youth are discriminated against um, if they receive let's say a check from children's aid societies and that's that's their income Um, and you know we can think of it from our perspective a youth may be in university or in college or you know working their butt off um, but somebody on the street who is renting their apartment for a decent price catches a youth's attention and they ask for um, proof of income and their proof of income is a children's aid check or, you know, um, a children's aid receipt or something like that. Um, and they're, they're being denied housing. And it's, I mean, I've seen it as a worker um, I've read about it through the research, so that's um, that's something right now that you leave youth no choice but to end up in neighborhoods that maybe aren't the safest, um, communities that you know have some violence. Um, I mean, and it's it's low income housing usually, and that's where a lot of our youth end up. Um, and not by choice, but because like they don't feel like they have other options. Um, Another one, like I said, was education. (coughs) And um, I I would even say job-wise, like, a lot of our young people during this period, I mean, this period itself is is a huge transition. Um, It's a really vulnerable time. Um, And I think that a lot of people in, in the world aren't understanding of what mental health looks like. Um, and not understanding of how difficult the transition actually is. And I mean, and maybe they're just not aware that mm-hmm. a young person is going through some stuff um, because of a young person's, um, like, they just don't want to disclose, and that's absolutely fine. Um, but they're suffering um, with jobs, um, unemployment rates, and even um, employment opportunities. There's lots of opportunities right now for youth, but a lot of them are short term opportunities. Yeah. Um, and that's not sustainable. Um, we're trying to, you know, create uh, a, fa- a solid foundation for a young person to leave care. We don't want a, a two-month temporary
0: yeah. fix. It sounds like what you're saying is there needs to be more meaningful employment for Absolutely. youth. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you, can <coughs> to anything that the system is doing good for you in transition? Is there anything?
1: <laughs> um so I can say that there's lots of research being done Mm -hmm. um, about the outcomes Um, there's a lot more youth voice being taken into consideration now in regards to creating reports and um, generating publications and stuff like that Um, however in my honest opinion uh, there's nothing concretely being done to help this population I think a lot of agencies themselves have maybe taken it upon themselves to create, you know, maybe one position that's responsible for the caseload of youth that are transitioning out of mm-hmm. care. Um, but then that's, you know, it's one worker for every youth that transitions. Um, otherwise, I mean, there there isn't really much that's being done um, aside from Children's Aid, isn't like they extended their uh, their financial care. To youth that are about, um, it can go up to 24 at a max. So that's really good. Um, however, despite that, the outcomes still haven't changed. Right. So that's where, you know, I need to figure out where this gap is mm-hmm. and you know what's happening here and, and why are these outcomes still like this and you know we we can do all the research until we're we're blue in the face and our fingers hurt we can't type anymore but. We need to do something to
0: change it. Yeah. what are we concretely doing to change the system? You know, it sounds like... It's like a big piece of the youth that we work with are forgotten. Mm -hmm. You know, we spend so much focus. And it's (coughs) fine to have that focus on youth between, let's say, 16 to... I don't know, 18, 19 who are living in care. Mm -hmm. And we feel like we can get them, you know, get a lot of work done with them and get them ready as much as we can for um, the transition out, but then once they hit that nineteenth it's like 19 to 24 is like the forgotten youth,
1: Absolutely. in a sense. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, I mean, I always found that ironic in our field because we've... We, I don't know, it's just, I find it ironic, because we say we work with youth, but we're we're really only working with certain youth at a, to a certain age.
1: Yeah, and I think that a lot of people assume, and I mean, I, we can probably say that we've done it too, is that like, 18 is like this magical number that all of a sudden, everybody becomes an adult. So mm-hmm. if we're speaking from a trauma-informed practice, or trauma-informed lens, you know, just because chronologically you're 18, are you really 18? Um, right. developmentally and, and you know emotionally and mentally <coughs> and uh, I mean if you think about a lot of the young women that have left here like are they ready to leave yeah so you know it's uh it, it's hard when you you have to meet what your requirements are as an agency um, but you also want to do best service to these young people um, and it's really hard to ensure you're you're doing best service and you're providing best practice when everything has an expiry date on it. Yeah.
0: And, I mean, to me, and, I mean, there may be some CYCs listening to this saying, I don't know, but, I mean, we are, in a sense, family to some of these youth. Mm-hmm. And if we look at the majority of the population, let's say, I don't know if that's politically correct, but, like, family just doesn't leave you, Mm -hmm. you know, and those relationships continue on Mm -hmm. up until you're 90, 80, (laughs) right, so I'm not saying that CYCs need to stay connected to youth until they're in their 80s, but (laughs) I think we get so caught up in boundaries,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and really, you know, as much as we are saying we're in a clinical setting and blah, 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 we're not doing the traditional counseling in a sense. No. We're, we're in that life space of a youth and being in that life space of the youth for me means stay connected to the youth for a longer period of time yeah. than once you hit 19 have a nice life.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, and the, the support, I think can it can look different. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be, we see each other every day. We mm-hmm. work together every day, kind of thing. I think that there, there's, you know, there's measurable targets that you should be working towards. Um, but I, yes, I definitely don't agree with the relationship necessarily ending at 18, um, especially when we think of youth who it, it take the it takes them a long time to build trust. Some of our youth, mm-hmm. most of our youth, and <coughs> you know, to to be able to say like we we have that. We have trust. This this youth has come to me and, you know, disclosed X Y Z. Um, we've worked on all this stuff together. They've essentially told me every single detail about their lives, and then it's kind of like bye. Yeah. So, I, I mean, when we think about an entertainment perspective, is that conducive to what we do so hard to to work towards? Mm. Um. I, in my honest opinion, absolutely not. And people can disagree with that. Um. But. I mean, this is—it's unfortunate the the realities of our field. Um, and then sometimes you see when youth do leave, there's almost um, an icky feeling. It's almost an angry feeling because it's easier for a youth to leave angry yeah. than it is for them to leave sad. And I don't want them to leave the agency or you know their relationships here with uh, a bad blood kind of thing or mm-hmm. bad taste in their mouth. Um, we would want them to leave on a good note and, you know, celebrate all the success that they've had thus far. But it's really hard when, at the end of the day, they know the relationship is over.
0: So, I want to shift gears a little bit to more of reflective questions as us CYCs do. Mm -hmm. And speaking from your experience, as a child and youth care practitioner, can you tell me and the listeners what you found to be most helpful um, working with this particular population of youth? Um, Yeah, and then I have another follow-up. Okay, (laughs)
1: Um, (coughs) I would say it's um, having those conversations kind of from the start about what the transition um, process may look like, not exactly what to anticipate as of yet, um, because it's uh, a little bit of a heavier conversation, especially when a youth is just entering a program. Um, but I think that it's important to you know, perp- even prepare as a worker for that transition from the minute um, a youth gets there you, you know, you know their transition date, you know their discharge date
0: mm-hmm.
1: or an anticipated discharge date when they arrive. Um, so if I know when our relationship is technically gonna end um, on paper that um, I can start working on stuff with you from then on. So getting them on housing lists from you know the minute they get here, hooking them up with as many resources as I can from the minute they get here, um I find that that's really helpful. and also, we can be realistic and say that, you know, not every youth clicks with every counselor they get. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Sometimes you need to shop around the market and you need to find a counselor you click with. Um, So finding and, you know, doing that earlier on, um, I think is a little bit more helpful um, so that by the time a youth does leave, their supports are secured, um, they're comfortable, rapport has already been built. um, And also, like, implementing, at least within what we do here, having that youth and transition worker around and being a little bit more of a friendly face uh, face. and we're fortunate that we can do that here um, so that this isn't a complete stranger Mm -hmm. that's just going to help you navigate through your transition so that's really helpful I think Um, and and like I said making sure that a relationship exists between your youth and transition worker and your young person that you're working with before that transition actually happens Um, because then I mean imagine how disastrous that could be if there's no rapport built and a youth is experiencing isolation or loneliness or employment issues and all this stuff and right. they can't talk to their worker about it.
0: Yeah there really is a whole slew of um, different strategies or practices that would be helpful for uh, this particular type of youth population. I was also wondering if you could Offer any advice to any new people entering the field working with youth in transition.
1: Um, I think that one of the, the best things that you can give any um,
0: worker, period, that's about to work with youth, is
1: um, just be patient. Try and do your best to empathize. Put yourself in that in the position of your young person. You know, try and see the world through through their eyes and try and understand how difficult this transition is going to be I mean I can imagine myself being 18 years old and having to make the transition and Mm -hmm. you know and and I'm older than that now and I still don't think I would be able to do it successfully being being at where I am in my life and and everything and you know and having some a little bit more security um, than a lot of the youth that we work with and I think that it's really important to reflect on that And also, I kind of like meet them where they're at. Like, let them know that this is um, like any youth that you're working with, don't go in with the mentality that you know what's best for this youth because you absolutely do not know what's best. And I think that taking a more of a collaborative approach, like letting a youth know that you know you guys are you're you're in this together and this is a team. And uh, like I have no idea as a worker what's best for you. You're you're the one who knows best for your life, and I'm kind of just here to go along with the ride for you and try and navigate it as best as I can with you, try and support you as best as I can. But, like, we always go back to being so relationship-based. But it's, I mean, having that relationship and that rapport is really
0: the foundation before some great work can be done. I wholeheartedly agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're near the end of our episode. And I'm sure you know the question that's coming up. <laughs> I've asked you it already, and I probably <coughs> will ask it of you again when you're back on after your thesis. Um, what does advocacy mean to you?
1: Um, I mean, I, hopefully my response changes from what it was the first time. Um, and also, like as I continue to do my research and I become more informed of what's actually going on right now in the, in the system and stuff too. I think that advocacy does, it, it's surrounded around you informing yourself on what's current um, in, in the news right now, in the government, um, and, you know, standing up for not necessarily what you believe is right, but what you believe is in the best interest of children and youth in the future, not even just right now. Like, we need to think a little bit more long-term too. Um, and. You know, trying to be that voice for a population that we label as vulnerable Mm -hmm. um, and we label as, you know, being voiceless. And, you know, our advocate was taken away and we've essentially removed a lot of voice from these young people already. So now I think as CYCs, it's really
0: our time to step up and be a voice for those young people. Love it. Our time is now. (laughs) Uh, Thank you again for taking the time out to speak with me. Um, Is there anything else you would like to share before we end off?
1: I will be back, hopefully, (laughs) with strategies developed in order to um, help the youth or young people navigate through this transition a little better um, and hopefully have some sort of tangible tools for us as CYCs. To be able to assist young people throughout this transition, um, as opposed to just doing, you know, more research uh-huh. about a topic that we already know about. Like, let's try and do something about it. So hopefully, by the next episode, we'll have something bigger to talk
0: about. Great. I'm looking forward. I'm sure the listeners are looking forward to hearing what you come up with. It. That didn't make sense, but you got me. <laughs> <laughs> Your right to speak will be posted on the second Wednesday of every month. Thank you again for taking the time out to speak with me. As always, it's been a pleasure. If you're a child or youth that would like to be on the show or if you have an idea of what topic you think we should be talking about, you can email me at yourrighttospeak at gmail.com. That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-G-H-T-T-O-S-P-E-A-K at G-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. Let's raise awareness together.